1: People are going to look at everything
0: you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcast. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Adam, history three Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh. Not really. Gambling God? fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot.
1: And we welcome you in to Full Slate of Blue Eyes. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by our producer, Alex Uplinger. Find him on Twitter at Alex underscore up seven or running our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. As we run through the NFL week 11 rotation, that's right. We are uh, moving right along in the National Football League season. Thanksgiving right around the corner. uh, And that always kind of signifies the three quarters turn in the NFL schedule. So a big week 11 for a lot of teams on that playoff bubble and some interesting games to talk about. As always, we bring on Alex Uplinger. Alex, always good to have you aboard. How are you doing?
2: Good. I'm doing great. I'm excited for another week.
1: Rough week 10 for me. I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> only up from here.
2: Yeah, exactly. That was, that was a pretty tough one for me as well. Started started off with that Thursday night game. Indianapolis gets almost 14 right. points off some terrible special teams. That's, that's tough.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then I mean, gosh, on uh, on Sunday, I feel like I was just like a heavy over in the Eagles Giants game, and they don't score at all in the fourth quarter. And I mean, Eagles was kind of just a bad pick in hindsight. I mean, hard to really. I I liked it, and it just, gosh, I don't know what's going on there.
2: That offense, Eagles didn't have a single third down conversion on the entire game.
1: That's hard
2: to believe. But also, the Bengals didn't as well. Two in one week. That's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and then I, I I was really annoyed over the I don't know if you happen to be paying attention closely to the Niners uh, Saints game, but we talked about how I thought like Niners extra time might be sneaky first half. I played them first half plus six, and they're they get up ten nothing, and. They end up going down seventeen ten with one minute left in the in the half, and it was just when that happened, I was like, "All right, this is just not meant to be this week." No,
2: of course, of course, that happens. It it all turned with that terrible roughing the passer call. Right, where you just hit exactly. him, and he gets hurt, so they throw the
1: flag. So, got my Sunday night pick right, but of course, by then I was in such a hole, and I didn't even feel that good about it.
2: <laughs> I hear you on that.
1: So let's get started with the NFL Week 11 rotation. And it is worth noting that there are a couple of games that have come off the board. Uh, if you're new to sports gambling this year, uh, this is a common occurrence in the COVID-19 era. Uh, players going on the COVID list uh, resulting in games coming off for the books to protect themselves and make sure that the information about the availability of certain players uh, – they find more out, and, you know, the thing of it is is it could be a quarterback like the last two weeks where Matthew Stafford and Ben Roethlisberger went on the COVID lists at the beginning of the week and then were cleared by the end of the week to play, or it could be we've seen cluster position COVID results where the entire offensive line or wide receiver room has had to go. So just want to point that out as we get started here that we're going to talk about some games because there are... Uh, obviously, uh, games that will pop back up on the board. Uh, so we want to get our thoughts on every game. And it, it'll start with the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about them being a disappointment uh, for both. Alex, you were on them as well, right, last last week?
2: Yeah, I was. I liked them out of the bye in a critical divisional game. and
1: right That offense
2: yeah. just does not look good right now.
1: No, it does not at all. And they uh, travel to Lake Erie to take on the Cleveland Browns. And last I saw on this game, and I I think we were both a little skeptical on why this game came off the board. And I, I say that as an Eagles fan, uh, I just in following the team on a daily basis don't. Maybe I missed something, but I did not see any uh, you know COVID situations with the Eagles that prompted the game to come off. Uh, unless there was something regarding the uh, Cleveland Browns, but when, before the game came off the board, we were seeing three, three and a half, uh, mostly for uh, Cleveland as the home chalk, and we were seeing a total of forty-seven and a half, forty-eight. It looked like uh, across the map, and I'll just say that while I am probably not going to play this game, I would lean towards going over the total. And I know we talked about the Eagles. Offense really uh, being a little bit of a concern right now. Alex mentioned it when we talked about the Giants game on Sunday last week. They go 0-9 on third down, and some of that I do think is just really hard to do and some randomness there working against the Eagles. It was the first time they went 0-9 on third down since 2004. So, you know, obviously the Eagles have had a lot of success in – the 21st century, and they haven't had a ton of bad teams. Having said that, there have been some bad seasons along the way from 2004 until now for the Eagles. And so for it to go that long with going 0-9 on third down, uh, you know, I think says something about the randomness that uh, goes into that. And having said that, they still scored 17, Giants scored 27, and, you know, a a game with a total of 44.5 stays under by the hook. So if that can happen in a game in which – there is very little offense from the Eagles, I'd like to think that they could uh, find a little more offense this week. Cleveland, we've talked about them, good quarterbacks. Joe Burrow had a couple of big games against them, 300-yard passing games. Uh, Lamar Jackson's best passing game. Cleveland early in the season so it could be a little bit of a get right spot for Carson Wentz worth monitoring the weather in this game because Cleveland has been uh an under betters dream with the weather the last few home games there uh in Cleveland having said all that uh I mentioned the Eagles and how I think this could be a little bit of a get right spot for Carson Wentz and I also think The Eagles last week, even without Saquon Barkley, the Giants had some success on the ground. Daniel Jones was running the ball very effectively. Uh, Giants had 151 rushing yards, and they really made a point of focusing on their ground game. 36 rushing attempts from the Giants. So you add all that up, I think we obviously know Cleveland likes to run the football a lot. Eagles struggled against the ground, ground game last week for the Giants. My lean would be towards going over, but I probably will stay away from this game.
2: Yeah, I was going to say one thing for the total, like you mentioned, definitely monitor the weather because the last two Browns home games, we saw 23, what did we see? 10 7 last week and then 16 7 two weeks ago against the Raiders. So
1: By the way, this, Browns, you know, yet again, involved in a bad beat. Uh, I'm, I
2: feel terrible for anyone who had the.
1: I think that you got, three that's got to take the cake, right? I know you had the minus six early in the season on Thursday Night Football against since he... Yeah, that was a backdoor. That was at least a backdoor, you know, yeah. and then the missed extra point, that's up there, too, with this, but, I mean, Chubb literally just has to go another yard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, heads-up play by him because they just kneel the ball and win, but also being up 10 points with under a minute, I think that can be a win as well, and the cover, unfortunately, for Browns betters, but I'm gonna I'm going to actually lay the points with the Browns. I got... Minus three earlier in the week. This is mainly a play against the Eagles. Their offensive line has just been terrible all season. They have, I think, three starters on the IR. So it's been a tough spot. They've allowed the most sacks. They have 35 sacks. And Carson Wentz has the most interceptions with 12. And then the Eagles defense has been surprisingly poor against the run, which – Matches up perfectly with the Browns' strong running game. Browns average 159 yards per game on the ground with that two-headed monster. I think that'll continue. Eagles are 26th in the NFL, giving up 133 yards on the ground per game. So with all that, I think I think Browns will get after the passer. Miles Garrett, he leads the lead in sacks. I think he'll really disrupt Wentz in the passing game. And then the Browns, they can be exploited, but they're actually fairly strong against the run. They rank eighth, giving up an average of 104-point yard, .9 rushing yards per game. So I think they can shut down Sanders, and then that'll put the ball in Wentz's hands, which I would not be very confident in with all the sacks and the turnovers. I think the Browns can win here and cover the three.
1: I don't necessarily disagree with what you said. My one thing that would give me a little cause for pause, a couple things, actually. First off, don't you feel like this is kind of like a sell low on the Eagles where it's like, well, they just played poorly. And remember, before the bye week, they were very fortunate to even cover in that Sunday night slot fest against Dallas. Uh, You know, so as gamblers, don't, we kind of want to like sell high and buy low, and it kind of feels like you're getting in on the Eagles like when their stock is at the lowest. Maybe it's been all season, so I just think just from a value standpoint, that's a little concerning. But
2: uh, yeah, absolutely, I, that's my biggest concern. This feels like a perfect spot to buy low on an Eagles team that still has plenty of weapons.
1: And I'm I can just, tell you, just from following the Eagles, like nothing that they do seems to make sense. Like. <laughs> it's like who saw that comment? Now everybody kind of thinks they're going to lose to the Browns, and the schedule gets hard. Then they play the Packers and the right. Saints, and the Cardinals. So I don't know. I I just think it's hard to pick sides in Eagles games right now.
2: Yeah, I mean this is the exact spot that they just win. Like when they traveled <laughs> to San Francisco and they had no right. business winning that game. This feels like a game they definitely should win. I just can't. I just can't back a team that gives up the most sacks and has the most interceptions in the NFL, and then you have arguably the best best pass rusher on the other side, I think Garrett could really disrupt their entire entire offensive game plan. And if Wentz is back, they're being pressured all day. We see how that goes. It's not well.
1: So let's move on and go to a divisional battle down south where we have the New Orleans Saints in the Big Easy paying host to playing host, excuse me, to the Atlanta Falcons. We're seeing New Orleans being installed as five-point chalk in this one. Total of 50 and a half. And when we look at this game, obviously the big story is Drew Brees being sidelined, and it sounds like he'll be out uh, at least for the rest of November and perhaps into December. Um, and... One of my favorite things to try and do, and and I realize sometimes it really is the definition of plug your nose and hang on, is to try and bet on some of these backup quarterbacks when the line moves drastically against the team that had the starting quarterback be out. Because I think sometimes there can be overreactions in the marketplace when we see these guys get uh, moved and the, the quarterbacks are ruled out. And you have to remember... What was the starting quarterback really doing? And when it comes to Drew Brees, yes, he played really well in the Sunday night game against Tampa where they kicked the snot out of the Bucks on Sunday night football. But I think we all know for the most part, this has been check down Drew, you know, and he's been throwing everything short and he hasn't needed to do much more because it's just been getting the ball in the hands of Alvin Kamara and now Michael Thomas is back and Jared Cook has been a nice red zone weapon for them. And so Brees has not needed to be the quarterback he was, say, four or five years ago. So then we throw Jameis Winston into the fold. And I mean, even though obviously he was the punchline of a lot of jokes last year, got to be one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And so I don't think there's a drastic downgrade right now when it comes to running this offense from Drew Brees to Jameis Winston. And let's look back. Obviously, Jameis Winston... Very familiar with both of these teams, the New Orleans Saints and the Atlanta Falcons, having played in the NFC South. So I think he's going against an opponent that he knows pretty well. And obviously, he's been with the New Orleans uh, quarterback room for the entire season. But he had to have gone there with some familiarity about their offense, too. And I looked back at his games last year against the Falcons. Uh, One game, 313 yards on 18 for 28 passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions, Bucs won 35-22. The other game, only 201 yards on 13 for 24 throwing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. Bucks lose in overtime on a walk-off pick six, uh, 28-22. So, obviously you had one pretty nice game passing and one not so good game passing, and you had a lot of interceptions. That was kind of the story of Jameis's year. But I think going to New Orleans, where he's going to work with Sean Payton, they should be able to maximize him. And I think they're going to be able to minimize the, low, the lows and not have him make as many costly mistakes. I think they're going to do a good job of putting him in good positions to succeed. Remember, when he was in Tampa, really his entire tenure with the Bucks, they weren't able to run the as well. Not only do they have Alvin Kamara, but they have Latavius Murray for a short yardage between the tackles back there as well. And obviously, that's a lot of what New Orleans has been doing, right? They've been powering the football with or without Breeze, and we saw them be successful with Teddy Bridgewater last year when he had to fill in for Breeze with a very run-oriented approach. So that's kind of what I'm seeing here, and then I think they're going to be able to take what Jameis has done well against Atlanta. Remember, it's an Atlanta pass defense that can be exploited, and I think they're going to be able to get more good Jameis than bad Jameis here. Uh, And I think Atlanta come out of a bye, normally we look at that as a positive, I think it's a negative for Atlanta because of how well the Falcons were playing under Raheem Morris going into the bye. They had won three of four and were looking like a team that was kind of giving its season some new life. Not that they were going to make this massive run, but certainly Raheem Morris, and maybe he still will end up their full-time head coach. But I just think some of that momentum goes away with the bye week. All of that gets me on the New Orleans side at home. uh, Give me the home chalk. I got this at minus five. Uh, I think that's what the market is sitting at currently. I like the Saints.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's that drastic of a drop-off. I also think this line's a little too high. What do you think that it would have been with Breeze? Maybe seven? Now we're seeing five without him?
1: Yeah, that's probably about right.
2: I think this probably should be a little closer to three.
1: You're thinking is four points is, is valuable. i.
2: Maybe not necessarily that, but I think Jameis with the turnovers might be that. If if they can improve on that, then I don't think it's that much of a drop-off with the way Breeze has been playing. I think Jameis definitely stretches the field more, which would lend well against a, a weaker Falcon secondary. But we've seen them play a little better on defense than at the beginning of the season. And I have a trend for away dogs up to – Plus 5.5, so that's plus 1 to plus 5.5. They're 31-17-1 against the spread, which is 64.6%. I like the Falcons here. I like their offense. I think their defense has been playing a little better. Looks like Ridley's going to be back, so that was good for the good timing on the bye week. I just think this line's a little too high. And which which Jameis are we going to get? Are we going to get... The, the stretch of the field and make some incredible throws, or even
1: that they've been in this position before to get you the good Jameis.
2: Uh, I, I can see it, yeah, but also I think Jameis takes maybe too many risks for his skill set. I don't think he's sure. as good as he thinks he is, but yeah, maybe a whole. Season start under uh, Peyton will do him do him well and have him playing smarter.
1: So, so you're on Atlanta here, getting the points.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the points. I like I like the offense better. I, I like uh, what their defense has been doing more so under Morris. I I think it's a a good spot to take the points here, Road Dog.
1: So some disagreement there to open the uh, pod. I guess while well, we started talking Philly, Cleveland, but. Not quite sure where those numbers are going to land when the game comes back on the board. Might be back up by the time you listen to this on Friday morning. Let's move forward. And we're going to stay in the NFC South where we're going to go to another game that is not on the board. So we'll touch on it briefly. It's the Carolina Panthers hosting the Detroit Lions. Carolina off of an embarrassing second half against Tampa Bay as the Bucks pulled away last week in Charlotte. Uh, and the Detroit Lions did what the Detroit Lions do and found a way to win the game in the end. They made a comfortable lead disappear and all of a sudden become a very dramatic ending. This time, the Lions were able to hang on uh, and kick a field goal and win the game 30 to 27 over the Washington football team. And so uh, the Lions find a way to get it done. They sit at four and five on the year. Uh, I'll be rooting for him here because I need over six and a half wins, one of my bigger win totals for the year. But really hard to play this game one way or another, not knowing the status of Teddy Bridgewater. and also. Stafford's been dealing with a thumb problem. It sounds like he is going to play, and Bridgewater is the more serious concern for Carolina here. So, uh, you know, maybe the Lions are starting to figure some things out. DeAndre Swift really looked great last week against Washington, uh, but um, I'm going to certainly stay far away from this game. just hard to know what kind of Carolina offense we get if Bridgewater is out. My Temple guy, P.J. Walker, might get the nod, or maybe it'll be Will Greer, the West Virginia product. Either way, um, it's a tricky spot for a backup with both of them very inexperienced coming in and asking them to do a ton, but I don't know that I necessarily want to run to back Detroit right now, as I said, given the uh, uncertain outcomes that they seem to play every week where they get these big leads and then they let it get away and then it comes down to the end. It just uh, feels a little uneasy to play a Detroit side right now, so uh, I'm going to stay far away from this one.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to pass as well. But when it was on the board, I saw a Carolina -2, so that kind of makes me think that Bridgewater is going to play. But also if he doesn't, PJ Walker has a familiarity of uh Matt Rule when they were, I think they were at Temple together. Yeah, there's so some familiarity there. And he came in the game when Bridgewater went down, so I assume he would be the one to get the nod first. I just can't I can't back Detroit even if Bridgewater doesn't go. Just It's tough to back Detroit away from the Dome, on the road, in a tougher situation. I, I'm just not running to back Detroit away from home.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, ironically, they've actually been decent on the road. Uh, they won at Jacksonville, and at, um, go on the blank now, they picked up another road win. Arizona. Arizona, but thank you. Arizona's,
2: yeah. Arizona's indoors, and Jacksonville's terrible. I don't know no, if that's oh, the best cage. Yeah, no, no, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying this is a little tougher spot. Uh, Cardinals being an indoor team as well. Detroit plays way better at home on the turf than they do outside.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that, uh, yeah, and one of those road wins, by the way, was a an indoor win against Atlanta anyway for Detroit. Um, let's keep things moving. We're going to head to the state of Texas where we have the Houston Texans uh, coming off of a loss to the Cleveland Browns that we talked about, uh, put that one in the Bad Beat Hall of Fame, Uh, the Texans hosting the New England Patriots, uh, and we're seeing some market support for New England uh, as I believe they opened short dogs and bet through Pick'em, and we're now seeing New England as short favorites. Um, you know, I'll pat myself on the back. My only good call of the week was the New England Patriots last week against the Baltimore Ravens. Thought it was a nice uh, buy low on New England coming off of the, uh, you know, the. I mean, they won the game, but everybody kind of was saying, oh, well, it's the Jets and how can you barely beat them? And, and that was a narrative that I wasn't necessarily buying because I thought the fact that New England came back the way it did showed me that, they're going to fight to the bitter end, and uh, there's a little bit of resolve and mental fortitude in that locker room that we weren't sure of. You know, they easily could have laid down. Uh, and so the fact that they came back the way they did, I know it was the Jets, but I think it's pretty telling that they were able to still find a way and win the game, and that made me think that they were going to uh, give a better effort and play better against Baltimore, and that's what happened. Not running to back then here uh, because it kind of goes back to that whole, like, you know, buying high, selling low type thing that we don't want to do, right? And you kind of want to get in low. And now I do think, as we said, there's been some support for New England. But, gosh, I really can't touch the Houston side here either because, you know, it's a Romeo Cronell coach team. He's a former Bill Belichick understudy. Uh, we know that those understudies from the Belichick tree just don't do well in general, but don't do well against him either. So, um, you know, total 49 In this game, New England certainly looks like an under-team given when they're playing well, they're pounding the rock with Cam Newton and Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead and using their, uh, you know, run game to kind of move the ball efficiently offensively, which queues up clock in the process. But I don't really have much to say. New England defensively, maybe they get Stephon Gilmore back this week, which would be a big help against Brandon Cooks and uh, Will Fuller. Ultimately, though, I'm going to stay far away from this one. Rooting for New England for my over nine wins, but uh, ultimately, uh, nothing for me on this side or total.
2: No, I don't have anything either. This is a tough read. Texans are just a bad team. I'm seeing this opened as Patriots plus three, and it's been bet all the way through. And that's as a result of a ton of bets coming in. I'm looking at Action Network right now, and Sixty percent of sixty seven percent of bets are on the Patriots and ninety one percent of money is coming in sure. on the Patriots. Um but an interesting trend is teams that are getting forty percent or less of bets are thirty seven and twenty eight against the spread. It kinda makes me think the road home favorite. But well, like now I home home dog now. Yeah, yeah, home dog, sorry. But yeah, the Texans are just they're just not a good football team. It's it's tough to back them. And this is a tough spot for the Patriots coming off that comeback win, and then a huge win as sizable underdogs. So it feels like a letdown spot. But, again, I just I can't run to back the Texans.
1: So we're both going to stay far away from New England at Houston. Let's move forward, and we're going to actually stay in the AFC South from the Texans. To the Jaguars, talk about a home dog. A much bigger line here, though. The Jacksonville Jaguars welcoming in the Pittsburgh Steelers to Duval. We're seeing Pittsburgh laying the big number on the road. Ten-point road chalk are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Total of 46 and a half in this one. And I'm going to go right back to the well with the Steelers' double-digit uh, favorite fade. That has been a profitable thing in Mike Tomlin's entire coaching career in Pittsburgh. They have struggled to cover these numbers, and we saw it earlier this season at Dallas. They uh, nearly lose outright and uh, certainly uh, never don't, do not cover that number against the Cowboys. And I think there's something to this. If you think about it when you're double-digit chalk, it's normally, obviously, a top team against a pretty bad team. And if you think about the Steelers, the, when they would want margin or when they would want to send messages are normally against rivals, right? You think about those, you're a Steeler fan, those nitty-gritty games with the Bengals when Andy Dalton was the quarterback and, you know, games, you know, perfect throwing hits on AB and and, and, and the AFC North, obviously the history is well documented. So those would be the kinds of games I would think the Steelers would want significant margin in, but normally they're not big favorites in those games. So when you're talking about being a big favorite at Jacksonville or being a big favorite at Dallas when it's a third string quarterback, I think Mike Tomlin, being the you know, professional that he is, plays the long game here, doesn't just wants to get out of the games with the victories and be healthy. And you think about double digit lines, it's normally, does the favorite want to send a message? Do they have reason for margin? And more often than not, I think the answer has been No. For Pittsburgh in these spots under Tomlin, and he's not the kind of coach that's want to just run going to look to run it. Therefore, they don't cover these numbers. And so then we look at this particular spot. Pittsburgh, it's a sandwich game in between two divisional games, they're coming off of Cincinnati in the division. And who's next? Thursday night football, primetime Thanksgiving game against the Baltimore Ravens. So I think it's another reason where you think about Pittsburgh not needing margin and just getting in and out with the win, and don't look now, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are 2-0 and against the spread with Jake Luton as the quarterback, and these are kinds of the teams I liked, and I think this kind of explains why Teddy Bridgewater has had so much success covering spreads, because when you have, you know, unappealing quarterbacks that are underdogs, and I know it's only two games for Luton, but when they cover There's less of a betting bandwagon for those guys because it's still Jake Luton or, uh, you know, it's still Teddy Bridgewater. And nobody wants to run and back teams that have the quarterback that nobody likes, uh, you know, under center. And so far, Jacksonville has been able to manage the game and, and Luton, they've been able to kind of let him manage the game and not ask him to do a ton. And they've been staying in games. Whether or not that means he remains the quarterback when Gardner Minshew is healthy is another story. But as I said, if you get quarterbacks like this, whether it's not pretty, but you look up and there it is, 24-20 going into the fourth quarter, they normally keep covering and then the market doesn't react appropriately because at the end of the day, we go into another week where it's the public saying, I don't want to back to you gluten." You know, and so I think Jacksonville makes a lot of sense here. Plus the points, Alex. You got the trend on uh, Mike Tomlin as a double digit favorite. Uh, I think it's what one in ten as a double digit road favorite.
2: Yeah, one in ten against the spread as a double right. digit road favorite. They, so you they couple went that. seven four outright in those games, but yeah, against okay. the spread one in ten.
1: Right. So there you go. They win seven of the eleven. Uh, and I think that just proves that they just don't really care much about piling up the necessary margin. And now we've seen it at Lambeau, Green Bay was, or Jacksonville was able to cover, and at home against Houston in a division game. So uh, I, I think the Jags, as I said, the spot, too, makes me like this, where Pittsburgh's got the divisional games uh, on the front and back end of this game against Jacksonville. So uh, give me the Jags plus the 10 for a play in Week 11.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. This is Jags or pass for me. You know, it's a it's a letdown spot when your coach has to come out and say this isn't Big Ten versus Mac. We're all professionals here, still. <laughs> you know, you know there's some look aheads in the locker room. They're looking at Baltimore on Thanksgiving in prime time. It's a massive game, so it's it's tough for teams to stay focused in games like these. And at the end of the day, they are all professionals. Jags still have some talented players, and like you said, Luton's been covering so far, so this would be Jack's another pass for me. I haven't quite got there, but that's the only side I'm looking at.
1: It's really good to hear from a Steeler fan, uh, to hear that kind of confirmation that uh, that would be the move here in this game. Let's keep things moving, though, uh, and stay in the AFC North for a couple of AFC North tilts before we hit our commercial break. Uh, we're going to go to the nation's capital where we have the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Washington, D.C. to take on the Washington football team. We're seeing Cincinnati is a one-point road dog, total of 46.5 in this game. Cincinnati, obviously off of a pretty embarrassing game against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. Burrow has been a good bet. The Bengals have been covering numbers 6-3 and three are the Bengals against the spread We have a Washington team with Alex Smith, who looked good uh, for the most part against Detroit, was able to lead the Washington football team back and gave him a chance late. Um, And you would think he would have similar success here against Cincinnati. I'm just going to stay away, though. I stayed away from Washington against Detroit last week. I think the range of outcomes for Smith is too wide for me to really get involved here. And that goes for the side and the total because – Obviously, the side is self-explanatory. If I don't have a good feel for what kind of quarterback play I'm getting, then how can I bet on or against Washington? And then conversely, on the total, if I, if I think that they open things up a little more for Smith, then that could mean they take more chances, and maybe that also backfires, and maybe there's a turnover or two in there that create a short field. All of that makes you think over, but maybe they also look at it as more conservative and, you know, this guy's just getting back and... It sounded like, I mean, he was hitting J.D. McKissick last week for a lot of those check down throws. So do they want to keep things short and kind of have the pass game be an extension of the run game? We saw Antonio Gibson find pay dirt a couple times for Washington out of the backfield. I just don't have a real feel for the offensive game plan here uh, in another game with Alex Smith. So I'm going to stay far away from this game.
2: I'm going to be taking Washington as the short home favorites. This is really just a bet on Washington's defense. I I do like what I saw from Alex Smith in the second half of that game, leading them all the way back. That was his first uh, career game of back-to-back 300-plus yards passing. So that was impressive. It's impressive that he's just even playing. So a second start, he should be much more confident. But this is more so on – Washington defense against a poor Cincinnati offensive line. The Bengals are second to last in the NFL, allowing 32 sacks on the season. And Washington's fifth in the NFL and average sacks per game with 3.1. They have Montez, Sweat, and Young coming off the ends. I think that's a force. I think they'll really rattle Burrow. I think they'll be back there quite often. And then the Washington secondary has been – a pleasant surprise. They're first in the NFL in average passing yards allowed per game. they give sure. up 194 passing yards on average. So that's been a pleasant surprise. I really think that they can get a lot of pressure on Burrow. And we saw last week the Sewers got four sacks and really had him rattled. Cincinnati couldn't get a single third down conversion, which is shocking. So, yeah, I think Washington's defense can really stifle Cincinnati here in that they'll be able to do enough on offense with uh, McLaurin and McKissick out of backfield, Antonio Gibson. I think they'll be able to do enough to win in cover here.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you'd certainly make an argument uh, with the defense that I think is pretty strong and uh, it makes me want to lean toward Washington. Um, Cincinnati, I, I, I think at times if it's a higher scoring game, you feel better about them because of the fact that they got Burrow and the weapons. But, If you neutralize them offensively, uh, as we saw Baltimore do earlier in the year, uh, then the Bengals really don't have much hope in the game. So um, certainly an interesting angle there uh, and and backing the Washington defense to get the W, which in a line this short would mean a cover as well. Let's wrap things up before we hit our commercial break with the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about the AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens are – Hosting the Tennessee Titans, we're seeing Baltimore get a lot of respect in the betting market against the, uh, excuse me, the New England Patriots last week on Sunday Night Football. Baltimore is a six-point home favorite here, total forty-nine, and I, I'm going to go to the well here. We talked about a little bit about how Tennessee might feel like a little bit of a square dog. Baltimore off that loss when it didn't look good, giving six points is it a little bit of a trap? Having said that. I think that this is a buy low on Tennessee in some way because Tennessee, the last couple games, all of a sudden is struggling. You know, they survived against Chicago in a game where they almost let the Bears come back and steal, got outgained by about 150 yards by the Bears. And then against Indy, they did not look good, and the special teams for Tennessee was putrid. And, And that's really where I'm looking at to exploit Obviously, Alex, as we talked about last week, the special teams for Tennessee in that Thursday night game against Indy really cost them, and now we have a Titans team going back to Baltimore, a place that they had success winning last year in the playoffs as nine-point underdogs. So yes, you could argue it's a revenge spot for Baltimore, but I think you only make that argument if The Ravens have looked like the number one seed in the AFC that they were last year and they have it. So I think this is just a good, not great Baltimore team and it's a good, not great Tennessee team. And therefore six points is too many. Not sure who wins the game outright, but I do think the Titans cover this number Uh, extra time to prepare for the Titans, especially this late in the season is going to mean something. And I talked about New England having so much success on the ground last week against Baltimore. 39 rush attempts for New England last week for 173 rushing yards. It would seem to line up for another Derrick Henry big game in Baltimore. And as I said, anytime you see that kind of special teams success or failure, uh, that's normally a signal that you want to bet on the team that had the special teams' blunders the following week or bet against the team that benefited. From those special teams, miscues, all of that makes me like Titans plus six.
2: I'm with you on Tennessee here. I got plus six point five early in the week. So far this season, Road Dogs off a loss are 27 and 20 against the spread. And Lamar Jackson as a home favorite is five and eleven against the spread. I think this is a good spot to buy a Tennessee. They looked good against India in the first half, and then, like we said, special teams blunder. Their uh, punter, I don't know the official number, I forget now, but it was like a 20-some yard punt. And then he had one blocked return for a touchdown, so they gave him 14 points right there. They actually cut the punter this week. He's going back to FedEx to drop packages for the holidays. Um, <laughs> so, I like, I like the Tennessee offense. I think they can put up enough points, and then like we've seen, when Lamar Jackson gets behind, they really don't have enough to come back and win. Their passing game really isn't isn't strong enough, so we'll see Tennessee sell out against a run, and if they can get a lead, I think it's done there. It looks like Adoree Jackson will be back, the starting corner, so that should help help their secondary against already a bad I Against the Baltimore passing. offense, they yeah. can't get
1: the ball downfield anyway, exactly. right?
2: Exactly, exactly, so that, that's a big boost. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go Tennessee here with the strong running game and I think they have enough offensive weapons to spread the field and get a lead and then good luck to Jackson coming back.
1: Right, and that's the thing, right? I mean Alex, like you're a Steeler fan, like you know this Ravens team pretty well. If you get Lamar in a negative game script time and time again, he has shown that he cannot come back. And I think it's a big concern. I I just want to say long-term on the Ravens, I am completely out for this year because I think what happened here is the Ravens were so good and so successful last year with Lamar winning the MVP and everything, the league had not figured him out, okay? And we saw these little snippets of it, Tennessee in the playoff game last year, Chargers in the playoff game the year before that, but we never saw it over an extended stretch. So I think the Ravens went into it figuring – Like, they draft J.K. Dobbins in the second round. Let's just double down on a strength that nobody could figure out anyway last year, and we'll be fine. And the thing is, the league, by and large, is so much better at defending Lamar Jackson that, to me, it feels like an entire offseason of pocket passing work is necessary for Lamar now, where I don't see him fixing this stuff in a season. I think we need to see what happens in the early parts of 2021 to see if he's truly a new quarterback, because I think this version of Lamar Jackson has been figured out and I have no interest in backing Baltimore, especially as six point favorites. Uh, but I, I think this is probably a Ravens team that is one and done in the playoffs if they even make it. Cause if they lose this game, then that becomes a question.
2: Yeah. They would be on the outside looking in that would put, tennessee at seven and three and then baltimore would be six and four so they'd be on the outside i think it's something to be said their their best tackle ronnie staley went down and they just haven't looked the same on offense and remember then. who they
1: haven't had all all year on the offensive line because you retired marshall yonda
2: yeah and that's a huge part yeah that definitely uh i think staley really would help the passing game as well I, see Jackson getting rattled back there and his first look is to run before trying to look to to throw the ball to someone potentially open it's just tough the league seems to have figured him out and they're selling out against the run maybe a quarterback spot here and there like what the Steelers did seemed like they really had him figured out and he couldn't get going and too many turnovers with bad passes and they get down and they just can't come back
1: so let's take a break and we will get into the late window of games on the other side. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you options to wager, uh, more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season-opening bonuses today and start off on wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take full advantage of great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, you're online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged. To be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed also helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring, You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month according to Comscore, and let's be clear that Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the their best offer Available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash Blue Wire offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at undercover Greg, joined by Alex Uplinger, our podcast producer and co-host at full underscore slate underscore pod. He manages the podcast Twitter and find him on his personal account at Alex underscore up 7 We're going to get into the late window of games now. We have count on one, two, three, uh, three games, excuse me, in the late window, uh, in the late afternoon window, I should say. And then we have the Sunday night game uh, and Monday night game, as we always do. Uh, let's start, though, with a game that I don't think anybody really cares about, but for us gamblers, it's always going to be out there, and it is the New York Jets traveling west to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. We're seeing the Jets uh, get getting 9.5 on the road, a total of 46.5, and obviously the first thing that comes to mind when we think about this game is uh, the Chargers and all the close games they've been playing. Here they are as a 9.5 point favorite. But then you remember it's the Jets. And while the Jets have covered a couple of point spreads recently in the division against Buffalo and New England, they're coming out of a bye and, you know, maybe they are going to look a little differently. They, they did have a pretty good offensive showing on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago against the New England Patriots. So, you know, that right there, Alex mentioned it, how, you know, he's inclined to think Chargers solely based off of the regression that you would expect from Joe Flacco as Sam Darnold has been ruled out again for this game for New York. Uh, But on the other hand, I don't know that I have a ton of interest in giving nine and a half points with a Charger team that seems to always play every game close, regardless of the opponent. It just doesn't seem to matter. The Chargers seem to always be, you know, playing these down-to-the-wire games, play down to some teams' levels, and, and play up to other teams' levels. And, So that makes me kind of stay away from the Los Angeles side, but I'd kind of lean that way just because I do like, Alex, what you said earlier about the uh, New York Jets and and Flacco. You would expect some regression there. Uh, For what I have, this guy in fantasy, so I'm hoping that they do turn to him more. There's a report that LaMichael P. Ryan is supposed to get fed more in their backfield, which makes sense. He's a rookie. Frank Gore is obviously on his last legs. I just don't have much of a feel for where this one goes. Number's probably about right. I just can't give nine and a half points with a team that seems to always play these down to the wire, ridiculous games. It's worth noting, Anthony Lynn really needs this one, given he seems to be on the hot seat there in the in L.A., can't lose to the Jets and feel good about your job security. So if you want to lay it with the Chargers on that premise alone, I wouldn't fault you. I'm going to stay away. Alex, how about you?
2: Yeah, I'm going to stay away, away as well, but I would not fault anyone taking the Chargers here. This feels like a good spot. Joe Flacco coming off, not the game of his life. Obviously, you've seen him play very well before, but the game, best game of recent, I just don't think he can replicate that. Um, my biggest concern here is Justin Herbert getting his haircut. Did he did he lose his swagger? I saw him getting roasted on Twitter all day with a terrible right. haircut. I don't know, his confidence might be a little shook in there. Um yeah, I'm not I'm not racing to the window to take either of these teams. Number feels about right, but I could definitely see the Chargers covering this with Joe Flacco having a poor game. I'm gonna stay away ultimately.
1: Let's go from one of the less appealing games in the late afternoon window to one of the more appealing games in the late afternoon. Well, there's only three in the late afternoon window, but one of the more appealing games in the entire week 11 slate. And that's the Green Bay Packers traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. We're seeing Indy as a short home favorite, a total of 51 in this game. Colts are one point home chalk. And, you know, this feels like we talked about Tennessee being a little bit of a square dog. I don't even know if Green Bay is going to go off as dogs, but right now it seems like they are the squarest dog on the board. Obviously, you see Aaron Rodgers getting points, and you want to gravitate towards the Packers. And, you know, not the best game from the Packers last week. They got the victory, but pretty unconvincing against Jacksonville. So maybe they're due to play a more complete game. There was some weird stuff popping up about Devontae Adams this week, Alex. I don't know if you saw that. but It sounds like his availability could be a little murky. Um, So that alone has me a little worried. And, you know, I'm just interested to see, because remember, look what happened the last time Aaron Rodgers faced a really good defense. Tampa Bay absolutely tore him to shreds. So that's what's concerning me about this game is Indy's defense has been the bread and butter of its season and is why they are where they are. Certainly not because of Phillip Rivers. And, I know we mentioned the special teams kind of boning the Titans and working to the Colts' favor. Normally you'd want to fade the Colts, but I can't get there with, as I said, I'm worried about Rodgers against this defense. Um, And so I I think this is one I'll probably sit back and watch. Excited to watch it, but probably not going to be too involved from a gambling standpoint.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the Packers just solely off the better quarterback play, and the better run game. Colts, they only average 3.8 yards per carry. They're 28th in the league in rushing success. And Rivers is coming off a strong performance. He didn't have any interceptions, which is big. I just don't think that the Colts are going to get 14 free points again, which would be huge. So I'm going to go with the better offense here. Packers, they rank 9th in rushing success. And the Colts can't run the ball that well. wrong. Phillip Rivers stinks. I don't think he'll replicate last week. I can see a couple of turnovers and short fields, and Rodgers is going to take advantage of that. I know it's going to be a trendy dog. This will probably be one of the I think they'll probably call NBA. favorites, right? I can see it. It looks like Unless there's
1: getting, pros that are back in Indy, which maybe there are.
2: That looks to be the case right now because Packers are getting 59% of the bets, but mm-hmm. the money's 50-50. So I think this will probably be one of the more popular dogs of the week. But I'm not scared to back Aaron Rodgers in this spot with how inept the Colts' offense can be. They can't really run the ball that well. And I do not trust Phillip Rivers in a big spot like this.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, Phillip Rivers is going to have to win more games for Indianapolis. And he led him back against Cincinnati earlier in the season. That's one thing. Uh, to do it against Green Bay is another. And um, Not that he was bad against Tennessee, but as we said, the special teams kind of gifted them points. Naheem Hines was really good out of the backfield for the Colts. So sooner or later, Rivers is going to have to win games with his arm on a more regular basis.
2: He's looked no, interceptions against, no interceptions against the Titans. Can you, can you do that back-to-back weeks? I don't so at, know. At I two. Right. Rivers I mean, in uh, – clutch situations he's just dying to throw a game-ending interception
1: right so um uh that's about all at least i have on this one uh as i said a little worried about rogers facing maybe maybe under because i'm worried about rogers facing the colts defense and not really trusting rivers but uh, i think i'm going to stay far away from this one one game that i'm more interested in though That's the final late afternoon game on the rotation, and it's the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Dallas Cowboys. We're seeing Dallas uh, being installed as a seven point road dog, total of 48.5. And And I'm going to go to the window with Dallas here, getting the touchdown. Here's the thing We have Andy Dalton coming back for Dallas this week, and much like Jameis Winston starting for New Orleans, we got a couple quarterbacks that are thrusted into spots where. They're playing for their NFL futures, whether that's as starters or backups somewhere else. Jameis and Andy Dalton are going to have – well, Dalton's going to have the rest of the season now if he can stay healthy. And Jameis is going to have, it sounds like, three or four starts at least to prove to the NFL that he can still play at a high level. And Dalton had the one bad game Monday Night Football against Arizona. Then he got clocked by John Bostic, which was a dirty hit. Got put on the COVID list, concussion – all these things popping up for him. Now he's back healthy. They're out of the bye week. And what did we see? Dallas, I, I I kinda we talked about how Atlanta's momentum going into the bye might be a bad thing and how that makes me like the Saints as home talk. Well, Dallas that's kind of the exact spot I want to play coming out of the bye week. When they compete really well against Pittsburgh like they did and nearly steal the game. Now they're getting their quarterback back. I think they're actually, despite being two and seven straight up and one and eight against the number, I think Dallas is actually, dare I say, in a positive frame of mind here because, as I said, they just took Pittsburgh right down to the wire. Now they're getting Dalton back. They're coming out of a buy. Mike McCarthy, for what it's worth, 11-3-1 against the spread off a buy dating back to 2003. And Dallas is... Awkwardly enough, still in this division. And I think for a team that has struggled as much as Dallas, that can be used as a bit of a selling point here. And Minnesota just won three straight division games. We talk about selling your stock high at the top of the market. If You, you know, Minnesota, seven-point chalk. You know, a month ago, they got smoked by Atlanta at home. So I, I have no interest in Minnesota at this number. They're turning it around, and it looks like they might have a chance to uh, get in the playoff mix here. But seven points seems like too much. As I said, I think this is going to be a spot where Dallas really gets up for the game and plays like it still has something to play for this season. Remember, Mike McCarthy might be one and done in Dallas. So not only is Dalton trying to prove something to the rest of the NFL – for his next contract, but Mike McCarthy, I think is probably coaching to ensure that he's still there next season. All that makes me think Dallas is going to be competitive enough here, and even though Minnesota is playing well, remember Chicago really wasn't able to get the ball downfield much against that Minnesota secondary which is young and inexperienced. That's where I think Dallas with Dalton back can really have success. CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup all do enough to score enough. High-scoring game Dallas covers the seven. Give me the Cowboys plus the points.
2: Yeah, I don't have much on this game at all, but I think you've talked me into Dallas here. I do like the experience of Dalton, and Dallas has a ton of weapons, as we know. And this Minnesota secondary is really poor. Um, Oh, but
1: by the way, let me add one more thing I forgot to mention. You probably know this as a Steeler fan. They've been having problems running the ball, but – at Dallas two weeks ago, only forty six rushing yards. So that makes me like this more because if the Dallas defense, particularly the front seven, started to figure some things out and they're able to limit Dalvin Cook and we start getting into a, a, a more of a shootout passing affair, you know, I'll take the Dallas Weapons over the Minnesota Weapons and the quarterbacks I don't think are that much that far apart, right? I mean Cousins Dalton <laughs> no. pick.
2: No, I don't I don't think I don't think Cousins should be a seven-point favorite over anyone, really. Dalton with the experience, and I would agree. I think they have significantly, not significant, but stronger weapons than the Vikings do. The the Vikings have good things going, obviously, on the ground game, and then Adam Thielen is great, and Justin Jefferson has been coming on strong as a rookie. But outside of that, I'm, I'm not that confident in their weapons, and I'm even less confident in. Kirk to get the ball to those weapons. So yeah, I think I would play Dallas here. You might have talked me into it. This this feels too too big of a I love it. cousins. Yeah. Let's go. I'll take Dallas. Could they be a could they be a live dog? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, hey, I, I think it's certainly uh a number that's too high and I think this game's gonna be close right down to the wire. I'm not sure who wins, but I definitely think the seven is yeah. worth taking.
2: So I'm looking at I'm looking at the games and the the underdogs and I feel like this could this and the Falcons in my mind could be maybe two of the only underdogs that went out right, at least sizable underdogs. I'm not factoring in like – Greater than a field goal, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I see Dallas definitely winning this game.
1: Let's wrap things up with another game that is – well, at least wrap things up in the late window with another game that's off the board. I think I misspoke and said only three late afternoon games. It's because I missed a game that's probably easy to miss, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Visiting the Denver Broncos, obviously the <laughs> Broncos, uh, I think you can kiss their season goodnight after that embarrassment last week. That was one of my losers. I kind of thought it was uh, last hurrah for the Broncos, and maybe they'd get up and play a good game and steal it in Vegas, or they would lay down and Drew Locke would look terrible, and it was the latter. Uh, and and here we are. The Dolphins just keep winning. It's kind of unimpressive at times, and it never wows you, but they're 6-3, and three, and – you know, maybe they're live to sneak up on the Bills and steal this division. I'm not quite sure yet, I mean, uh, how this AFC East is going to play out, but I think the Dolphins certainly deserve some more respect, and hey, they're three-point road chalk. So, Alex, I guess any time you're three-point road chalk, that is a sign that the betting markets are starting to pay you respect. Maybe that's simply because Drew Locke might not play. Regardless, the Dolphins have a lot of things going for them. The Broncos don't have a lot going for them. I think it's just a question of, do you want to back – Tua uh, and the Dolphins making the cross country trip to the altitude. I certainly don't want any piece of Denver after last week, though.
2: No, I kind of wish you you did miss this game and we didn't touch on it. This is this is gonna <laughs> be this is gonna be ugly. I I hope this is on. This is the corner TV at the bar spot that no one even looks at. It comes on Red Zone a handful of times, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't even know Not if, only the corner Lock- TV,
1: but normally like the smallest TV. <laughs> oh, absolutely.
2: They might not even show this game, depending right. on what bar you're at, even if it's in a late afternoon window. But I don't even know if Locke not playing is that much of a downgrade. He's been terrible. He really doesn't doesn't look like a professional quarterback as of late. It just feels like a trap spot with the number being that low. The Dolphins are obviously... The much better team in all facets of the game, but can their defense and special teams really keep up this pace? They've been they've been scoring touchdowns on their own. They've been looking great. I just really don't want a part of any of this. Like you said, going to the altitude that's that's tough for a lot of people to adjust to, especially rookie young team, you know, yeah, like the Dolphins, first time, first time playing there. Yeah, I really don't want a piece of this game at all.
1: So let's go to Sunday Night Football, where we go from one AFC West team that we're not that interested in to an AFC West team or two that will interest the nation. Is it Sunday Night Football, the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Kansas City Chiefs? And this was another game that came off the board, like that Denver Miami game, like the Carolina Detroit game, Philly and Cleveland. We've talked about a lot of them. Uh, and Alex, you mentioned it that uh, before we hopped on, it sounds like there's some COVID stuff going on with the Raiders. That is not overly serious, and this game should be back available widely uh, from sportsbook to sportsbook pretty soon.
2: Yeah, I think it should be back on the board. This is looking like the same situation that Roethlisberger was in last week where he was close to someone who tested positive, so they're all on the COVID reserve list for close contact, but if they test negative throughout the week, then they will be able to play. It is worth noting that, it's a handful of starters. It looks like Cleland Farrell, LaMarcus Joyner, Jonathan Abram, Jonathan Hankins, uh, just a slew of others all on the defensive side of the ball. So it's something that's something worth noting. But like I said, this is one of those things where it's close contact. It's not that any of them have tested positive. It's just one of those things you have to monitor and that if they test negative throughout the week, they are going to play similar to what Roethlisberger and Stafford, they both ended up playing that week.
1: So the other thing that I think is so interesting about this game, did you even know about the Raiders taking a bus trip around, a victory lap around Arrowhead Stadium? I did not until this week after they won. <laughs> I, early actually,
2: in- I, I literally just heard that today. Apparently they, they took a, a victory lap in the buses around after they left the stadium. They drove around the stadium <laughs> celebrating the win.
1: Probably not the best idea against the defending Super Bowl champions and right. the best quarterback in the NFL. Do
2: you need to give them any more reason to want to beat you in a revenge spot where you just beat them? I, not not that wise from Gruden there, but I know he's a, he's a player's coach. He likes to fire the guys up, so I'm not surprised.
1: I, yeah, I was going to say, if I was a player for the Raiders, I'd probably love it, but Anybody else, I'd probably hate it, uh, especially if I was a fan of the Raiders. Maybe you'd love it if you're a fan of the Raiders, but I'd be concerned as a Raider fan this week, and that is why I got in at minus 6.5 on Kansas City. Uh, This, to me, was one of my favorite sides of the week. We just finished talking about Dallas. I I think they they make a lot of sense, too, and and I like the Saints a good deal, as we talked about at the beginning of the pod. But I, I really like Kansas City here. Obviously, we talked about the revenge spot. But there's just some long-term trends that, I mean, I know as an Eagle fan and betters probably know by now, Andy Reid off a buy has just been absolute money in the bank. And here we have him again with extra time to prepare. And not only that, but more recently, I mentioned, you know, that was something he was very strong as coaching the Eagles. Going back to December of 2013, that was his first season coaching in Kansas City. He's now 18-4 and four as divisional road chalk against the spread. Now, granted, one of those non-covers came earlier in this season as the Chargers were able to cover against the Chiefs, but we saw them kick the snot out of the Broncos in Denver a few weeks ago, and I just think that we've seen the Chiefs, I know they haven't won the division every year Andy Reid has coached there, but for the most part, they've been the best team in the division pretty much every season that he's been there, so I think they look at these games as opportunities to send statements to the rest of the division, and we talked about it earlier with, you know, when you're a big favorite, you got to be able to, to cover. You want to be able to send a message and have reason for margin. What bigger reason for margin than against your divisional rivals? And so I think the Chiefs want to continue to send those messages that, you know, we're the top dogs here and it's not particularly close. And the Raiders have been playing well, you know, so I, there's probably some belief in Raiderland that they're narrowing that gap especially having already won in Kansas City this year and just the way they've been playing. There's a lot of things working for the Raiders in their first year in Vegas, but I think it's a not-so-fast spot. Mahomes won't turn the ball over the way Drew Locke did for Denver. I think Kansas City wins this game by two scores. I'm laying the six-and-a-half.
2: I'm with you. I got six-and-a-half as well. This is a great spot. This is the better quarterback, better coach, better offense, better defense, better kicker. This is just revenge angle. This is not high enough. They're going to win by double digits for sure. Like you were saying, Andy Reid off a bye, take it to the bank. There's just no reason to bet against the Chiefs here. I love it.
1: So let's wrap things up. I guess we don't have a whole lot else to say. If we have agreement, that's always good. Uh, let's wrap <laughs> things up with to, the Monday Night Game. It's tough to game.
2: speak on a, on a game that you're just so confident in. when it's Oh, shows. I know.
1: I know. I, I'm the same way. I Literally
2: mean. every facet of the game, and they lost the first game against them. Right. Just It just feels like a great spot.
1: So let's wrap things up with the big Monday Night Game. Great primetime games this week. is. We're you know by the time you listen, the Thursday night game has already been played between Arizona and Seattle, divisional rival we just talked about with the Raiders and Chiefs, and now we get an NFC West team traveling to the East Coast, maybe the best team in the NFC West. I mean, the Rams are certainly making a case for that after how impressive they were last week against Seattle. And I gotta be honest, not running to back them here, but they're not getting a lot of respect as four-point road dogs against Tampa. I know Tampa right of the ship, but it was Carolina, and that's a team that at times, while they've been surprising other times and competing in games, we expect the Panthers to lay down and show their youth and, and, and the first-year coach, first-year OC with Rule and Brady. So I think it was kind of a get-right spot for the Bucs last week. Having said that, though, it does seem like the Rams are being disrespected here getting four on Monday Night Football, total of 48-and-a-half. That's really where I'm more interested in. I think I'm going to find myself on the under because the Rams, I heard this week, number one in the National Football League defending the pass and number one against the run. I mean, this is time to start treating this defense like it's one of the league's elite. And while Jared Goff is not somebody I'm enamored with, and that's probably why I'm staying away from the Rams side, is because I do think that the Bucs defense will probably eat Goff alive. I think that's why the under makes an awful lot of sense here because we haven't seen, I mean, Tom Brady has looked good at other times, but he's also looked really human in their losses against New Orleans and against Chicago. And obviously New Orleans, especially the second time around defended really well And Chicago. We know that they're a good defense. I think this is two pretty good defenses going at it. And a total close to 50 makes me think that's too high I think the under makes a lot of sense. I'm staying away from the side in Monday Night Football.
2: Yeah, I'm with you here. I like the under. This is two stronger defenses. I think the only reason you would back the Bucks here on the side is that you're not confident in Goff in the offense. I think Ramsey can really shut down whoever they choose to put him against, whether that's Mike Evans or Antonio Brown. I assume it would be Mike Evans. He's a way bigger part of the offense, so... If he shuts them down, I still think Tampa has enough weapons on offense to score some points, but like you were saying, the Rams defense has been really solid. I think they could Gosh, steal if the, they could uh,
1: shut down Russell Wilson, you know like right. that was really yeah. impressive last week
2: that was coming off the bye, and and yeah, they did enough to score on offense to win, but yeah, I was really impressed with the defense, which I think lends well to the under here. I'm with you on the under. Um, but if I had to pick a side, I would definitely take the Bucks. I think they have enough offensive weapons to, even if Evans gets shut down, I think they could score enough, but I also don't think they score enough to put this game over the total. I would play the under here, and I would lean to the Bucks.
1: So there we have it. Consensus moves on the under in Monday Night Football and a lean to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side. That'll wrap things up for our NFL Week 11 podcast, Alex, I'm sure I'll be talking to you. Always fun. Good luck in Week 11.
2: Yeah, sounds good. Good luck to you, too. Talk to you later.
1: There we go. Uh, Find Alex managing our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. And give him a follow his personal account at Alex underscore up seven. And, of course, follow me for all of my gambling picks at Undercover Greg. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly.